Welcome to the Insurance Post podcast. I'm Emran Hughes, editor of Insurance Post, and today I'm joined by the Chartered Insurance Institute's Matthew Connell and the Association of British Insurers, Laura Hughes, to talk about progress on multi-occupancy buildings insurance. Today on the Insurance Post podcast, we're excited to have with us Matthew Connell, Director of Policy and Public Affairs at the Chartered Insurance Institute, and Laura Hughes, General Insurance Policy Manager of the Association of British Insurers. We'll be talking about how six years on from the deaths of 72 people in the Grenfell Tower fire tragedy in London, the industry is insuring multi-storey buildings. Hi, Matthew and Laura. Welcome to the Insurance Post podcast. Hi, Emma. Hello. So following the Grenfell tragedy, the cost of buildings insurance to residential leaseholders and other property owners of multi-occupancy buildings increased. Laura, what caused that increase? Hi, Emma. Thanks very much for having us join you today. Um, I think, you know, this is really a a topic of um, huge challenge for the industry. And also, you know, we are so aware of the blight this is having on individual leaseholders living in some of these buildings. So I first just wanted to touch on the importance that the industry is placing on this issue and the hard work that the industry is doing around it. Um, it, It's not a simple answer, I'm afraid, to to what's caused the increase. There's sort of a, a mixture of issues that have been uh, factors that have involved in the increase in the price and I think ultimately it comes down to the reality that Grenfell highlighted uh, that insurers can't assume now that the uh, building is only going to have uh, a certain level of damage caused to it when we have one of these fires and I think it's really opened up insurers eyes to the reality that the estimated maximum loss that an insurer will assess a building on is likely to be reached time and time again and ultimately that's sort of where we are facing at the moment. This isn't really an issue that the industry um, that's new to the industry at the ABI we've been talking about these risks and the risk of cladding since uh, 2008 well before my time and it's really you know, so tragic that um, the death of 72 people at Grenfell Tower meant that it opened up the eyes uh, of government and the the realities of the regulatory regime not being fit for purpose. So um, it's a huge area of in- interest for, for our members and they're doing everything they can to try and help reduce the, the costs that leaseholders are facing. Um, alongside that sort of assessment of the reality that we know that a building is now likely to have significant damage and be a total loss as opposed to there being a fire in flat four and that impacting you know the flat above it, below it and next door. Um, we've also sort of, Grenfell has opened up the realities of the fact that insurers are seeing huge attritional losses from claims, um, major issues with the escape of water, and the reality that actually um, the industry was kind of underpricing these risks before um, beforehand anyway. And even now, six years on, the industry is still telling us at the ABI that they are experiencing um, further information that suggests that buildings that they have been insuring for the last few years assuming they're built as they've been said they've been built are actually not built as they've said they've been built and do have this flammable material on them so we're still finding it out today. Matthew would you agree it's many issues that have caused that increase and you know 
issues are continuing to be uncovered that you know are prompting further increases. Absolutely, and I think there's a, a lot of people who would have looked at horror at the, at the Grenfell fire, but wouldn't have imagined that they were facing uh, similar risks. So, um, just just some from some friends of mine uh, who, who who moved into a, a, an apartment um, seven or eight years ago, uh, the, the the flat that they bought had uh, block of flats that they bought had a very small amount of, of cladding on it. So their initial reaction was, well, you know, there's some some work to do here but it's not going to be big because it's only a small part of the building a small amount of cladding um, but of course what, what we've seen is when engineers come in and start looking at a building and, and, and asking questions about uh, the standards that, that, that were in place when it was built they start finding other things so so in uh, in the case of my friends it was uh, that there was no fire breaks in between the different floors uh, of the building, and so of course now that means their flat, you know, they can't they can't sell their flat to anyone who uh, who'd, who'd need a mortgage because because they, they wouldn't be able to get a mortgage on that uh, on that property, uh, and so that's that's a, a case of a of, of, of building that were you know by all um, by all intents and purposes mm-hmm. from the outside looked like a, a very solid, very well built building with uh, lots of very well appointed uh, apartments, but it was only. Years later, when when the investigation into the building went beyond the cladding, that people found out exactly what the risks were. Mm, indeed, last year the FCA st- stated it plans to conduct further analysis of the insurance market for multi-occupancy buildings to inform potential interventions. Um, Matthew, what kind of interventions can the industry expect in this area? Well, I think there's 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 some that are very very welcome and that, that have already been um, put in place, and and Laura will be able to say more about, for example, the code, uh, the industry code that's that's been established um, for for um, data and information about buildings, particularly sort of mid-rise uh, uh, buildings, uh, not just the the, the, the high-rise one. Uh, I know when we were doing work with this with parliamentarians uh, uh, in the wake of of Grenfell, that was one big issue: is that it wasn't that people had this information but weren't sharing it; it, it just didn't didn't exist again because the assumption was that the level of regulation was such that that not all this information needed to be collected it people could assume that 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 buildings were, were constructed as they as they said they they were going to be constructed um, so so that's one big thing and I think that's uh, an important thing to come out of the competition inquiry in the FCA's work because that's given them the 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 given them the ability to give uh, the ABI and, and Bieber the green light to uh, establish um, a, a kind of um, formalised way of, of collecting information. And uh, if you just do that from, from the ground up, um, then the, you know, there's inevitably issues about, you know, will everyone uh, take part in the scheme um, or, or will there be concerns about um, competition issues? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and if it comes from top down, the, 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 the kind of go ahead for this, then, then that's, that's a lot easier. Um, other issues that, that the FCA uh, have looked at, uh, obviously around the, the, the value chain uh, and the, the payments that are made to property agents and, and landlords in the course of, of buying insurance, uh, and the question there about, about conflicts of interest. Um, so, so there's elements that they're coming out from the from the FCA in terms of what it's looking at uh, for, for for regulation, um, but also action uh, by the uh, Department for uh, Leveling Up um, has responsibility for for, for housing. Uh, they're going to uh, ban um, commission payments um, for landlords and, and property agents. Uh, and, and replace that uh, with uh, a more transparent system of, of, of fees. Um, Laura, obviously Matthew mentioned there the code, what kind of interventions 
are coming from that? Yeah, so I think just touching on the FCA's report that came out last year, I mean, we really welcomed it and it's really was really needed to have that detailed analysis of the um, the sort of insight that that provided on what the issues are. And as Matthew's alluded to, you know, it was really difficult process for us at the ABI before the FCA report, but also for our members throughout the um, feeding into that report on the reality that not everybody has the right level of data or collects it in the same way so that came out really as one of the fundamental actions out of the FCA report and we're really pleased that at the end of February the ABI and BIBA launched our voluntary common code on the information that insurers are going to be collecting on these multi-occupancy buildings so from our perspective that's a really great step forward on the fact that we have worked really hard with our members to shape what that looks like and get a common understanding of what the information that insurers and ultimately um, perhaps the FCA in the future may want to to ask again Um, and and I think that's really welcomed so that code was published at the end of February it comes um, into um, begins at the end of May and then then has a 12-month implementation period um, for insurers to sort of get up to speed and that's open to all ABI members but also anybody else um, that's a non-ABI member that may wish to use it um, alongside broke, uh, brokers as well. Mm. I mean Matthew touched on um, in what was it just then as well the issue around commission I mean at the start of this year Michael Gove um, Secretary of State for Leveling Up Housing and Communities um, and Minister for Intergovernmental Relations that's a very long job title isn't it for him Um, basically said that there were unacceptable issues faced by leaseholders around the transparency of their insurance costs could these concerns result in HM Treasury and the FCA shaking up the rules for how insurance brokers get paid Um, just like they did over a decade ago with the Retail Distribution Review which banned advisor commission Matthew What's your thoughts on this? Yeah, so so I guess there's there's two levels to it. First of all, there was the, the commissions um, being paid to landlords and, and managing agents, and there was a clear conflict of interest there because uh, landlords could could buy expensive insurance, knowing they were passing the the cost on to uh, to, to, to leaseholders, um, uh, and knowing that, that that inflated cost would would come back to them in 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 commissions. So you had the landlord making the buying decision and the landlord um, being paid for 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 distribution as well. Uh, so so that was a clear conflict of interest and um, you know absolutely right that 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 the government's going to take action there I mean it's not that landlords don't offer any value in the process they they do um, can do quite a lot of administrative work a lot of work involved in the uh, um, sort of identification of, of, of risk and provision of data which again is a another important element of this uh, of this work so it's not that they shouldn't be paid anything but it, it should be paid in a way that doesn't create conflicts of interest and I think a, a clear transparent fee that reflects the amount of time taken by by property agents and landlords uh, is is a much better way of doing things than a cut in a in a product that the, the landlord is also buying um, I think when it comes to, to broker commissions obviously commission is a word that everyone's ears prick up when they hear the word commission, uh, and 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 indeed, you know, back back when RDR came in, there was a debate around whether uh, commission for for insurance uh, was the same as as as, as commission for for investments. Um, I think I think 
the decision that was made with with insurance at the time, and I think that it's, it's something that still holds, is that uh, with insurance you've got the the benefit of the insurance, which is the claim, and the price of the insurance, which is the the, the premium. And if you've got good competition on the on the premium, on the price of of insurance, and also on the quality of the uh, of of the product, the coverage, and the um, service at, at claims, and the and the confidence that things will pay out. If you've got comp- competition on all those key factors then the cut that the advisor is getting for for the broker is getting for giving advice uh, and the and, and the cut that the insurance company takes is is secondary so long as people are, are seeing that they're paying good value in the premium and they're not their premium isn't distorted they're not paying more than than other people with with the same risk uh, then then I think um, consumer Confidence, consumer trust, and, and consumer value is 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 being delivered. Um, I think with the uh, comparison with investments and the retail distribution review, um, the problem there was that the, the the product, the outcome, was a return on your investments, and what you were paying was being taken out of your investments. So it became very jumbled up and very unclear in terms of what what people were paying for um, and what they were getting out. It was the same thing. It was it was money <laughs> that they yeah. were paying in and money that they were getting out. Whereas with insurance, it's, it's more separated in terms of the premiums very clear and then the claim, the, the benefit is very clear. Uh, and so I think in terms of sort of splitting out the cost of advice uh, and the cost of provision, it's it's less important there. I think also brokers, you know, probably do more than, than investment advisors in terms of things, services like um, uh, claims, uh, helping to, 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 to administer claims, pay claims, act as an advocate for, for client the claim side as well. So again, I think I think the important thing is addressing the issue of the landlords, getting transparency around the quality of the products and the price of the of the products in terms of, of premiums. Uh, and then I think it, it, it makes sense to, to to help try and make that system work before more intervention around around um, more granular stuff around 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 commissions. Laura, would you agree? You think they'll look for clarity rather than kind of a ban on commission? Um, I mean, I think looking at the ultimate goal here, we're looking at how do you reduce these costs for these leaseholders who, through no fault of their own, are experiencing both the trauma of living in a building that has been declared as unsafe which I can't imagine how that feels but alongside that you know the significant insurance costs that they are looking at so ultimately our goal really is looking at how can we go about reducing those costs and I think from an underwriting perspective we know that um, insurers you know straight after Grenfell insurers were with the Chancellor explaining that they are not going to be pulling out of this market and um, our members have certainly stuck by that and stuck by their customers which the reality is when you look at some of these buildings you know they probably don't want to be insuring them but they um, recognize the importance of them doing that and I think we've seen you know the number of insurers willing to offer this cover and certainly willing to write new business being um, reduced and that has reduced that level of competition Um, ultimately the real goal here is getting these buildings remediated and getting them safe Um, and I'm sure we'll come on to to some of the work we've been doing on a risk risk sharing scheme with our members but there's all sorts of levels that 
um, everyone needs to play their part. And I think, you know, through the risk sharing scheme, um, we've certainly got our members at the ABI um, playing their part. And I think commission is obviously going to be another part of that. I'm not going to specifically comment or ex- or set out what I think the FCA might be doing. I know we're expecting their um, imminent report in the next uh, month or so, which is looking at sort of six months on from their previous report, which may well be commenting further on broker commission. So I think we'll um, keep our eyes peeled for that and see what we um, what that says. But we'll keep, from an ABI perspective, keep progressing this uh, risk sharing scheme as quickly as possible. I mean, talking there. I mean, the other thing that Gove did say was that he was pleased to see insurers and brokers progressing with the FCA's recommendation to implement an industry-led scheme that would lower the highest premiums for buildings with significant fire safety issues. Laura, can you tell us a bit more about how that scheme is progressing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is something that um, was being discussed before the FCA report came out. Um, and, you know, we're really pleased on the fact that it's it's progressing really well. Um, it's a key priority for us at the ABI. And it's really focusing on looking at increasing the uh, capacity for insurers so that one of the one of the real problems we've seen with some of these buildings is the fact that the sort of capacity or exposure that insurers are willing to to take on um, is is relatively limited and therefore we've seen sort of layering of um, different insurers providing cover for a certain level of that building so to ensure the sort of 100% of the building has got a number of different insurers sitting beyond below it and we've seen that some of the associated costs with that um, layering type scheme has has caused significant increase in the costs for for the insured uh, and ultimately the leaseholders who are then passed those cost premiums on so what the scheme is really doing is looking at increasing that capacity so that there's no longer that need for the layering um, of capacity for each building and um, I'm not going to lie to you, it's a significant market intervention. It has been um, extremely hard work and our members have been um, consistently um, throughout at least the last year working really hard on getting this scheme up up to speed so we're working with McGillan partners who are leading this development of this specialty scheme um, it's important to note it's only going to be a short-term time limited scheme so um, it's ultimately we're looking at trying to create some sort of sticking plaster whilst remediation is taking place for these buildings um, and you know from the ABI perspective it's been very complex and there's a lot of competition law um, considerations that we've needed to take into account but um, you know we're really pleased with the way that it's been developing um, we've not been re- giving a running commentary um, to the sort of extensive discussions that we've been having but we're really pleased with the progress it remains on track to be launched um, at some point over the summer um, subject to uh, various you know crossing the eyes uh, crossing the the t's and dotting the i's but um we're really pleased with the way it's been developed and and so are government and we're really um ultimately looking forward to being able to launch that to be something that will help some leaseholders in some of these buildings we don't think it's going to be a silver bullet to answer everybody's problems and we're certainly not selling it as that but this is certainly the industry and underwriters really taking forward this huge huge problem and doing what we can on a commercial basis to um, help those leaseholders that are experiencing these increasing costs.
great to hear about that progress. Um, Matthew, what further action you know does the industry um, need from the Financial Conduct Authority and the government to ensure those who own and live in tower bo- blocks can access affordable insurance that's suitable for their needs? Yeah, so there there are things uh, I know um, Bieber in in their manifesto talk about some of some of the elements. So I know a lot of work's been done um, to uh, make sure that um, professional indemnity insurance is is va- available for fire engineers uh, producing their EWS one one forms that allow people to to get mortgages. Um, but but that's just one aspect of it. Um, there's also you know a huge amount of work that needs to be done by fire engineers, surveyors, architects architects, other professionals uh, to, to deliver remediation um, and, 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 and that work um, needs to be insured, that work needs professional indemnity insurance. So um, if, if some of the things that have been done to, to free up um, professional indemnity insurance for EWS1 forms can be uh, applied to, to other professions, that would be extremely helpful. For example, um, if, if the liability of people working on uh, fire safety remediation uh, is, is limited to the work that they're doing on fire safety remediation for, for, for civil actions, uh, the work that people can doing on fire safety remediation, um, the advice they're giving, or the or the or the, or the aspects that they're signing off, um, don't don't include anything else that um, is is additional to that, but which at some later date, some people say they 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 should have taken that into account, or they should have thought about it. Just the the kind of um, creeping creeping liability uh, around professional interventions. If the government could could offer some more um, certainty uh, around those issues, then again, I think that would help the remediation process uh, be both quicker and, and less expensive for, um, for, for, for leaseholders. So a recognition tenants. that nobody has a crystal ball, essentially. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. yes. yes. Um, Laura, what further action do you feel the industry would benefit from in terms of the FCA, from the FCA and the government in this area? Yeah, I mean, I suppose I'll just comment on um, Matthew's uh, thoughts around professional indemnity insurance. I mean, I think it's a really, really important one, and it's certainly an area that we've had a lot of discussion with government on most recently, uh, only last week, on the realities of um, the Building Safety Act and the new roles around duty holders and um, previous suggested roles around uh, accountable people, and what does the the professional indemnity insurance look like for them and it's a really difficult topic when you're discussing roles that no one really quite understands exactly what is going to be um be the specific role are there the right people out there to do that work and ultimately you know are we looking at strict liabilities or or something else here um so i think that's an important issue that is being grappled with um i think more focused on the FCA and and government intervention you know as I said the underwriters ABI members are doing everything they can to develop this risk sharing scheme at pace to try and help those leaseholders who are experiencing these high premiums there are various other levers so we've talked about broker commissions um there's also the potential that government could step in and help um, either provide some backing 
to this scheme which could ultimately help reduce premiums even further or also looking at perhaps not charging IPT on those um, buildings. We've had those discussions with government and at the moment it's very much they've asked us to look at a commercial scheme and have not sort of uh, suggested that that's something that they're interested in but I think ultimately the test will be once we launch the scheme and have a good understanding about the impacts that has to premiums um, if there is a feeling of the need to do more then I think that's really when government need to to start reconsidering whether that's something that they should be involved in and the FCA report really specified that government should be looking at what they can do as well so I think that's certainly an area that could be taken forward further than it has been at the moment. Well great to hear of the progress today and fingers crossed for um, that assistance coming in the future. That brings us to the end of this episode of the Insurance Post podcast. I'd like to thank Matthew and Laura for joining us and sharing their insight on the action the industry is taking on multi-storey buildings insurance. As always, thanks to you for listening to the Insurance Post podcast. If you enjoyed our episode, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to Insurance Post and following us on Facebook, LinkedIn and Twitter. Make sure you come back next week for a discussion on the challenges and opportunities facing electric vehicle insurers. Until then, this is Emran Hughes signing off. The Insurance Post podcast is a product of InfoPro Digital. <laughs>